0: today on Ag News Daily.
1: When you choose a field or land boundary, you'll see automatic information on soil type, on fire crop history, and um, most pertinent to the name, valuation.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily podcast. This is, of course, still Howell, joined by my co-hosts, Mike Pearson and Madison Honkamp. Guys, I'm going to Ask your opinions here on the crop progress report that came out yesterday afternoon. We saw corn 96% planted, soybeans 85% planted. Do you think we're going to get any higher than that?
2: Well, we'll get to 100 one way or another. We always do. Either the crop is done being planted, in which case we're already at 100, which is kind of my thought on Mm -hmm. the corn planting progress. And on soybeans, same story. Eventually, all of the beans that are going to be planted will be planted, It's just what percentage of intended acres got planted, and we still don't have a great feel on that thanks to, uh, or, you know, through the USDA.
0: Yeah, so explain that to us, because I want to make sure I understand it correctly. So let's talk corn acres in particular, where 96% planted is that of the intended acres that the USDA shared, what was it, like 92 or 93 million acres back a couple long months ago?
2: Yep, in March, the March Intentions Report is that was sort of the understanding of planting progress. Um, But no, that is not what we are measuring. So we are 96% planted of a 100% that we don't understand at all. Basically, when the surveys go out to producers on uh, on Sunday evening, they ask, what percentage are you planted? So if Mm. I'm done and I'm taking prevent plant on all of my acres, I'm going to say 100%. Even though gotcha. I didn't plant all of my corn acres. So mm-hmm. it's it's that's one of the things that it's caused the market, and I think we you know we hear that in our discussions with our market experts, um, the planting progress has gotten a lot less important and now conditions are starting to take center mm-hmm. stage, even though, you know, as we talked about yesterday, how are we measuring conditions? Does ankle right. high corn on the end of June that's green count as good conditioned corn? Or is it
0: Really yeah.
2: incredibly bad condition corn, given that it's 60 days behind. Uh, we don't know. We don't know how the USDA is scoring it. So there's well, a lot of uncertainty.
0: We did see those corn acres that were rated as good last week drop a couple of percentages this week. So it sounds like maybe we're starting to see some conditions also being affected by all of the wet weather.
2: Yeah, Delaney, I think that is what we're going to have to watch is... However the crop, however it is that USDA is scoring this crop, how do conditions go from here? Do they improve or get worse? And, yeah, I think you're exactly right. We're seeing conditions across the Corn Belt get worse on a late-planted crop. I mean, that's, that's not uh, great news for producers.
0: No, it is not.
2: Unless you're one of those out there in the 59% of Iowans, I believe, who have a decent crop, then, hey, you just picked up a nickel today.
0: hmm <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I have just to follow up again, we're starting to get more details trickle out about this corn silage that can be planted on prevent plant acres now. I have not found anything to fact check one way or the other way, Mike, in, in stating that if you plant, or if you intended to plant corn on those acres anyways, they don't count as a cover crop now. But I did read an article today that stated really it sounds like pretty much anything can count as a cover crop for crop insurance purposes. They have a pretty broad definition as long as it's a crop that can be planted for erosion control, soil improvement, or any other type of conservation practices. This is according to the deputy administrator of product management for the USDA. And he also said that this is the, the kicker I thought was pretty interesting. He said an ag expert expert, Can deem a crop eligible by determining the prospective crop meets all the cover crop definitions. So essentially, they have this link on the website of folks that are considered an expert, but somebody that's a certified crop advisor, an agronomist, somebody from your area essentially could come out to your operation, or you could ask them, you know, hey, could I plant? this crop and they can basically certify that as a cover crop for you this year if you're taking prevent plant and want to put some of those get those acres planted with something at least
2: yes i'm glad you brought that up delaney that was a correction that came to me also on twitter from one of our listeners that uh their reading was as long as you're doing it just like you say you can plant whatever as long mm-hmm. as you don't plan on selling it for grain. So I yes. think I was mistaken yesterday about the no corn on corn ground and no beans on bean ground. I think as long as you're not selling it for grain, you're free to do so.
0: I think that is the way I'm understanding it.
2: Perfect. Well, I apologize, everybody, for spreading some hashtag fake news on the Ag News Daily Podcast.
0: <laughs> all right. We forgive you. You better. We, we won't fire you today.
2: Yeah. All right. <laughs>
3: You just get one Um, more chance.
0: One more.
2: Okay, I'll take I'll take my mulligan. I do have some news. You know, we're talking quite a bit about President Trump and uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping getting together later this week. And Delaney, you had mentioned a week or so ago there was a source who said that, you know, really the main goal of this meeting is to get other meetings on the book. Well, it turns out a senior administration official came out today and said that exact same thing. That is all the United States is hoping for with this meeting. We're not expecting anything groundbreaking. It's exactly like you reported a couple weeks ago. We just want to get together. Um, There's no guarantee that we're not going to impose any new tariffs as a goodwill gesture. Um, No idea what's going to happen on Saturday, but hopefully it will lead to more meetings being on the book.
0: Well, I actually have a piece of news that kind of trumps that one, Mike, and that is – We have seen top Chinese and American negotiators have agreed to resume trade talks. That was confirmed in a phone call Monday afternoon between Chinese Vice Premier Liu He and Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, as well as Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. They are going full speed ahead. They said they are going to resume talks here just days before they head to Japan for the G20 summit. So it sounds like those talks on... Thursday or Friday, whatever day they're happening, will be official trade talks and not just discussions to, quote, resume them.
2: Interesting. So basically, your Trump news trumps my Trump news. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Fascinating. Well, that is good to hear.
0: Yes, it is.
2: Well, Madison, what is jumping out at you in the world of agricultural news?
3: Um, One thing that I kind of noticed today I thought it was kind of really interesting focusing around the USDA kind of, we really had a discussion on them yesterday, but this is a little bit different and they're actually trying to change the more along the process of um, kind of harvesting swine and how that meat is processed. So they're taking it out of more the food and safety and, and, Inspection services and pushing it more towards packing plants and plant workers. So I thought that was really kind of weird that they're taking these, you know, these inspections are put in for a reason by federal employees, but they're trying to give them to plant workers. It doesn't really say why, but they are trying to ramp up the speed lines and really get those, um, that processing to kind to work faster. Um, but they're kind of getting a pushback because meat, meat packing workers do face a higher than average rate of workplace injury. So speeding that up could make that even higher. Um, but I thought that was very weird that they were taking it out of federal and putting it into the plant itself.
2: Yeah, so basically your understanding Madison is that rather than USDA employees doing the meat inspection, they would train plant workers who would do the inspection instead. Is that kind of why how you see yeah. it? Yeah.
3: Yeah. So that's why I was I thought it was kind of weird that they're taking it trying to get it away from federal when it should be federal cuz it is an inspection for food and safety.
2: Fascinating. Well, Madison, we're going to task you with staying on top of that. See how this plays (laughs) out, if this rule actually gets put into place.
3: All right. I will do my best.
2: That's the thing. You say something on this podcast, you oftentimes get volunteered for the duty. So
0: now it's... (laughs) (laughs) Like your own little special beat.
2: Yes. Yes. You are the USDA hog plant inspection beat person (laughs) on the Exit Daily Podcast.
3: It's always Mike that gives out the jobs, too, I've noticed. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I'm the decider. That's kind of how you <laughs> mm-hmm. make the decisions, make okay. the hard calls. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not to read, not to read, to quote the Simpsons movie. Lovely. Anyway, Delaney, what do you yes. got?
0: Well, I had um, another piece of news here related to Chinese relations. We're seeing two global agricultural cooperatives, which is Lando Lakes, of course, they're U.S.-based, and a netherlands based royal Agri-Firm group. They announced just yesterday that they will be setting up a joint dairy feed, dairy animal feed venture in China, and the new company will be called Lakes. They're essentially uh, starting this new organization or no- new business in China to leverage existing market knowledge, insights technology, etc., and said that this new investment in China is going to continue with their international growth strategy, but... You know, I'm wondering long term if they're they're looking ahead and seeing, okay, maybe this trade war isn't as short-lived as we think. We're going to go ahead and get our foot in the door with China in case this lasts a lot longer than what maybe people were anticipating when we first started.
2: Absolutely. I I almost guaranteed that's on their mind, Delaney. And also, we just continue to see the Chinese develop a taste for higher mm-hmm. uh sources of protein and dairy is certainly one yes, of
0: them. Yes. Absolutely.
2: Well, speaking of higher things, this is kind of a tough segue, but Mm. we had the uh, meeting of the Federal Reserve chair uh, uh, came out and uh, Jerome Powell earlier today said the U.S. Central Bank, obviously, they've been getting a lot of shade thrown on them by President Trump via Twitter. Trump has criticized the strong dollar. He's criticized the Fed not lowering rates. So Jerome Powell came out today and he says the quote, the central bank is insulated from short term political pressures. And uh, the policymakers are currently wrestling with the idea to cut interest rates. Um, They often he says, "We, we do have what is often referred to as our independence. And Congress insulated the Fed this way because it has seen the damage that often arises when policy bends to short term political interests. So. Basically, he's not saying one way or another whether the Fed is going to cut rates. He's basically trying to get out in front of it and say, look, if we do cut rates, it's because we want to, not because the president is strong arming us, quote unquote, into doing so. Okay. So I thought Hmm. that was interesting. We don't often see the Federal Reserve chair and the president going after one another like this. So I thought that was.
0: That is Interesting. And I think it, it makes sense, that's for sure. Right, right.
2: Yep, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it certainly does. And, you know, basically they're, they're, they're trying to make their calls. They have left the interest rate unchanged at their last meeting. And they said, you know, we'll see what happens as the year goes on. They'll continue to watch, you know, those key benchmarks about inflation and unemployment, which are their dual mandates.
0: Well, to follow up on a, on a piece of news here, coming out of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City, They released some information talking about how does this first quarter compare to prior first quarters, especially in the farm economy. They're stating one in five farm borrowers have increased the amount of debt that they've carried from the year prior. So 2018 compared to 2019 Q1. They're showing a pretty big increase or substantial increase there. They estimated that those one in five producers hold nearly 427 billion dollars in debt this year alone, which is the most since the 1980s farm crisis.
2: Wow. Which, I mean, we've, we've added, a, I mean, values are a lot higher than in the 1980s. Does it say that's adjusted for inflation or not?
0: It doesn't say.
2: Okay. So probably not then, which on a pure dollar amount, that certainly makes sense.
0: Yes. But I think gonna. it. I don't know. I, ju- I just think it, again, goes back to that question. I know we've discussed it or debated it a lot of are we starting to mirror some of those 80s, pre-80s farm crisis patterns?
2: Right. And leverage was a huge component of that over leverage and, uh, you know, the resulting waterfall effect when things fell apart. So we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully mm-hmm. growers are, you know, sticking some cash in the bank and they're keeping some working capital handy and, you know taking advantage of this nice rally we're seeing in the markets.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of rallies in the markets, guys, do you have any more news, or should we look at some of those rallies going on?
2: I just have one other quick piece of news that is out of the conference board. They said that U.S. consumer confidence tumbled to a 21-month low in June as households are growing more pessimistic about business nationally, labor market conditions, And the escalation in trade tensions with the United States and China. Um, There was also signs that sales of single family homes are unexpectedly falling and um, that the trade war is starting to have an impact on the broader economy. So one more piece of evidence that perhaps we will see the Federal Reserve cut interest rates as we go throughout this year.
0: Mm -hmm. One other thing we'll be keeping an eye on,
3: that's for sure.
2: Yes, ma'am. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's jump into these markets. Madison, how does that sound to you?
3: That sounds great.
2: All right. Well, let's jump into the markets. And our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, volatile times can create opportunity. Maximize your opportunity with our friends from Zayner. Give them a call. Learn how futures and options can help you manage your market risk by reaching out at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. We've got mixed trade today in the grains with the corn market barely clinging to gains and beans and wheat in the red. In September, corn, it was up one and a quarter cents at 4.53 even. December contract, up a quarter penny, closed the day at 4.57 and a half. In soybeans, the August was down six cents at 9.08 and three quarters. November, down six and a quarter, finished the day at nine twenty. And a half. In Chicago, wheat the September contract down two and a half cents at 540 even. December down two, close the day at 550 and a half. Jumping over to the world of livestock, mixed trade in the meats today. August. Live cattle up eighty two and a half cents at one hundred three twenty five. The October also up eighty two and a half to finish at one hundred four eighty five. In feeder cattle, the September contract down forty seven and a half cents at one hundred thirty one eighty seven fifty, with October down thirty to close the day at one hundred thirty-two thirty. And buyers stepped back into the lean hog market today. The August contract was up a dollar ninety-five to close at seventy-six seventeen fifty with the October up 85 cents to close at 69.90. Jumping over to the world of dairy in class three milk today, the June contract was up a penny at 1631 with the July down a nickel close the day at 1703. Now today is hashtag tech Tuesday, and we're going to dive in deep some products that are coming out from our friends at granular.
0: For today's Tech Tuesday interview, we're talking to Granular's SVP, our Senior Vice President of Revenue, Adam Lytle. Adam, first of all, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today.
1: My pleasure, Delaney. Thanks for having me.
0: So before we talk about some of these new functions you guys have just recently released, tell us about Granular's Acre Value Program. I think we've talked to you about it before on the podcast or another another member of the Granular team, but... Bring us up to date on what you guys are really doing or working on here within the ag tech space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first off, uh, Granular is a uh, agricultural technology company, and we've been around for about five, six years now uh, and recently uh, joined the Corteva family um, back in 2017. And we actually have a number of, of software and analytics products, and Acre Value is one of those. So we work with farm management software. We work with uh, agronomic and variable description software, as well as services. Uh, and we also have this really cool tool called Acre Value, which is uh, a free service uh, all about cropland valuation and information management. So if you're a farmer or if you're a banker lender or a landowner, uh, or a broker dealer, you can get a lot of information easily at
2: your fingertips um, just by going online. Well, so let's talk about Acre Value then. Adam, how does it work? I guess I'm a, let's say I'm a farmer or a landowner logging in. I'm curious about valuations in my neighborhood. Walk me through the process.
1: Yep, absolutely. So uh, you just go to acrevalue.com and you can start using it right away just by searching for, let's say, uh, your zip code, and it'll zoom you right into that to that area of the U.S. Uh, we are active in all contiguous U.S. states, uh, 48 states, and uh, you can you'll immediately start seeing um, land boundaries, and you can click on those and continue to zoom in. And when you when you choose a field or land boundary, you'll see automatic information on um, soil type, on prior crop history and um, most pertinent to the name, valuation. And so Acre value has our uh, own proprietary algorithm that takes into account some of the factors I just mentioned, along with um, land transaction comparables to spit out a um, what we believe is a fair valuation of that land. And so if you are a grower or if you are a landowner, it's a really good data point to kind of triangulate on what you might want to pay for land or rent it for—not um, the only thing you should be looking at—but often you, people are just looking at, hey, what did my labor, what did my, um, excuse me, my neighbor pay for something, instead of uh, looking at a more objective valuation on what that thing could be worth, um, looking at future cash flows.
0: That's really interesting, and like I said, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before because all of this is kind of ringing a bell now, but how did you go about collecting that information or figuring out the soil types or the land value for that particular zip code or farm? Because I'm guessing the farmers didn't just volunteer that information to you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we, we take data privacy very seriously and are not knocking on farm gate, uh, asking for, uh, for land sale values. Um, it's all public. So we actually, uh, take a combination of satellite imagery. Uh, we take, um, a, uh, CLU histories, um, that the government has in terms of soil type data. Uh, and so that was... Uh, something called Sergo that they did a while back, uh, to look at soil types across the U.S. And we also look at, uh, local, uh, local reporting, um, at the county level in terms of what farmland was sold for, which is a matter of public records. There's a few other bells and whistles, but those are the main
2: So I guess from a putting it all together perspective, Adam, does Granular have teams going around to courthouses? Gathering up the uh, the auction or sales data, or are most counties reporting it online nowadays?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, most counties are 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 not, to my understanding. You still have to go and, and check, and and it is evolving, but slowly. We don't do it ourselves. We have a we have a partner who does that for us, and that's part of their core business. Literally having people go to the courthouse, or or call up, or um, when it is available, going online. And then they aggregate it, and that's one of the data sources we look at. but no, um we don't have teams running around the country ourselves
0: <laughs> that's uh that's pretty interesting that you guys have have custom people or or i guess um, subsidiaries that do that for you but Adam, I want to talk about kind of the nitty gritty here of why we asked you on the podcast today, and that's to talk about some of the new digital tools that are Launched within this acre value, and those are Claim My Land and then Custom Boundaries. Can you walk us through those two tools and why you decided to add those functions to the Acre Value website?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, so they're actually pretty distinct, uh, and each have their own story around it. So, I'll start with the Custom Boundary aspect. We started off, and, and a lot of other folks start off uh, when you're looking at farmland of taking these uh, these clu boundaries that the government provides problem is that they are not updated that often and as i think all the listeners know those boundaries can change uh, due to uh, land transactions or to the actual topography changing weather other events and so uh, they get stale pretty quickly and so the values that we're coming up with we found were accurate for that actual boundary, but if it's 70% accurate um, based on what the boundary is moving, not enough. Uh, and so in terms of usability and, and getting that accurate, we um, kind of rewrote aspects of the software to allow folks to change the boundary and make it custom to their very own farm. Um, so in that sense, it can be a much better information source uh, as opposed to something that's more, let's say, static and arbitrary. So, uh, the users love that and we've gotten some nice uptick in, in usage and, and comments from our, from our customers as a result. The second piece of Claim My Land is, uh, actually kind of a first move away from just pure information management and towards something that can be more of a marketplace. And so, uh, you can go in what Claim My Land is is just going on the acre value in addition to getting information about things you can say hey i own this land and it attaches your name to it and so someone else is searching they can see that you are the owner of that parcel of land they can also contact you if you are willing to be contacted and it's not automatic again privacy is very important to us but um, it provides a much more transparent marketplace uh, for folks connecting if they want to buy or sell or rent farmland, and it 's really the first step of of a journey that we're taking to be a much better source for folks to share information between renters uh, and and landlords and make that whole thing easier as opposed to today sharing information um, just over email and uh, not necessarily knowing yield information and, and how folks treat the soil, which is a big thing that landlords want to learn.
2: Absolutely. Now, Adam, you mentioned privacy is, of course, very important. What kind of safeguards are in place to prevent me from claiming an 80 as my own and, uh, you know, trying to rent it out to somebody?
1: Yeah, so uh, the the initial aspect of, of Claim My Land is really about getting getting usage out there and seeing how many are going to claim it's kind of an experiment. We, we don't know yet. Uh, we've seen this in other, other markets like Zillow, for example, uh, for residential real estate where they started with this step and then they built in features down the line. And so we don't, we're not going to govern and say, are you actually the owner of this land initially? We are going to, we have a, a very easy comment and feedback section so that. Um, based on that sort of feedback, we will be able to go in and respond and contact those people um, if they claim it erroneous, erroneously. Um, but we're we're also not um, transacting, tra- transacting on equity. Excuse me, uh, and we're not providing title or we're not doing anything in terms of a uh, legal land transaction process. And so, the thought was it's about information initially, and that's it. Um, and past then, anyone who is buying, selling, renting would still go through the typical process where they need to see title. They need proof that this is actually their property.
2: Gotcha. That makes sense. So this is your, your first acquaintance or your initial exposure to the property, and then you can go deeper if you'd like. Yeah, ex- exactly.
1: Exactly. It's, it's, it's relatively thin around information right now. Um, and, as we build up usage then we'll we 'll go more into information sharing and, and things like um, what are alternative structures and ways to rent this land beyond just cash rent, uh, for example, um, if you want to do a risk share on your crop yield or your input costs uh, a lot of the a lot of the ways that especially in this ag economy, uh, we can spread risk evenly across um, landowners as well as renters, uh, which a lot of folks are asking about. They just don't know the best way to go about to it.
0: Huh, okay. So you mentioned that you were working on a couple of other things, or this was really just the first piece of what you guys are working to improve acre value. Is that kind of where you see the next transition or rollout for acre value functions would be helping things like spreading the risk amongst the renter as well as the owner of the ground?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would phrase it as helping the owners and the renters find the best ways to value that and then structure rent agreements around it. And that that could mean risk sharing, uh, or it could just mean simply um, better understanding what the comparables are and the true valuation. Um, but we don't want to come in and say, hey, the best way to rent land is cash rent, and the best way is going to be um, a, a crop share. But we do want to show um, benchmarks of what others are doing in your state, potentially in your county, uh, and show, and show formula to say, if you want to go down this route of we sharing, this is, uh, for example, a good base amount of $150 per acre you might want to rent from a cash perspective. And if you get over a certain yield amount, then you share that yield upside with your land with your land board and kind of create a standard formula around that, as opposed to guesswork that happens today.
2: It's a fantastic tool. Now, Adam, before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about how the rollout has gone so far and what you anticipate to see in terms of usage for the first year. What are you guys expecting?
1: Yeah, in just a week after it being launched, we had 40,000 acres of land being claimed. And we were anticipating it would take a month to get there. So we were pretty excited coming strong out of the gates. And part of that is because the site has, uh, up to 400,000 unique visitors every month. So there's just really high traffic on the site, which is, which is great. It's one of the top, I believe, three sites trafficked in agriculture in the U S and so going forward, uh, we'll see, uh, what percentage of those users claim land and, uh, we we anticipate that continuing um, and what would be most interesting is if folks are actually connecting and saying, hey, yes, I'd like to check out this land and I'd like to talk about um, value and some sort of transaction.
0: Well, this is really interesting stuff and it's coming a great time here is obviously succession planning and transitioning to that next generation is such an important topic in agriculture. Adam, before We let you go. Can you remind our listeners once again how to find Acre Value and some of the functions that come along with that?
1: Absolutely. So just go to www.acrevalue.com, one word, and uh, you can start searching for information on any farmland in the U.S.
0: All right. Evaluation,
1: soil type, yield history, uh, just at your fingertips.
0: Awesome. Adam. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today.
1: All right. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it.
0: Well, again, a big thank you there to Adam of Granular. Really interesting stuff that they're trying to become more dynamic as we see agriculture basically demanding new functions. And it sounds like they're going to be continuing updating some of those functions as we continue to change and evolve in agriculture.
2: Absolutely. Hop on that Acre Value site, check it out, see if it lines up with what you're thinking on uh local valuations and uh, I'm just curious to see. I'm going to have to pull up the ground around me and see what their thoughts are.
0: Yeah, that's true. You don't have very much ground though to sell, do you, Mike?
2: No. You no, own. I don't. But I'm always curious as to what it's worth.
0: Mhm. Absolutely.
2: And I tell you what, if you are curious as to what is going on in the world of agriculture, you can catch up on past podcasts of Ag News Daily. By going to a very simple website, agnewsdaily.com. That'll take you to our new home, the Global Ag Network, where you can follow along with our podcasts, plus those of our Global Ag Network partners, fantastic agricultural broadcasters, podcasters, overall thinkers when it comes to agriculture. And you can always interact with us on social media. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at AgNewsDaily and on Instagram. Right, Madison?
3: yes don't forget Instagram
2: (laughs) check us out on Insta we want to hear your thoughts we want your feedback by all means reach out to us Delaney with that should we let the people go
0: let's let them go